be careful not to choke on your aspirations, listener. Unless your aspirations include listening to this week's episode of the Billion Dollar Movie Club. Go on and choke on this podcast. You you can choke all you want on however long this ends up being. <laughs> As always, we are your hosts. I'm Christian Mississippi, and with me is... Juan Meta. Juan, may the fourth be with you. Yeah, may, may the fourth be with you. It's a pun. It's great. Very coincidentally, we are recording this on May 4th. But you're not listening to this on May 4th, so uh, this is already machines? a this is a this is a dated reference. Time machines? Nah, this is a dated reference. Or you know what? If you su- for some reason come back to this episode a year later, may the fourth be with you. May the fourth <laughs> be with you. Now today we are discussing a film in the Star Wars franchise, uh, a film known as Colloquially as Rogue One, a Star Wars story, right? I mean, I don't think that's the colloquial name. I think that's just the name. The colloquial name would probably just be Rogue One. Known colloquially as Rogue One, a Star Wars story. I'd like to start off this podcast very different than uh, some of the others with a shout out. Mm-hmm. Uh, typically, we save the shout outs for the end, but... If you are watching a, a, a Star Wars property on Disney Plus on May the 4th, there's this wonderful art uh, with each of the main titles. So for Rogue One, there's this beautiful art by Talisa Almonte. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could follow her on Instagram at Almonte Studio, I believe. I looked it up and I lost it. But I believe that's where it is. It's very wonderful art on each of, of these selections. So it's a nice way to celebrate. Uh, this made-up holiday. If you will. Rogue One, a Star Wars story. (laughs) Released on December 16th, 2016 with a budget of $200 million. In its opening weekend, it made $155 million domestically. It will go on to be number one for three weekends until it's dethroned by, 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 yes, you guessed it, Hidden Figures, which classic, delightful film. Just it's a classic. I haven't uh, seen it, but it's a classic. Press press really. Oh, you're telling me you're you're not caught up on your Jim Parsons filmography? I saw the Normal Heart. He was in that. Oh, I'm not caught up because I haven't seen that. uh, Press release. From the Walt Disney Pictures Company people on January 23rd, 2017, the press release says, Star Wars news, one billion for Rogue One, and the title for Episode 8. I guess they released the title on the day they got the billion, but it says, This weekend, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, reached a major box office milestone, hitting one billion worldwide on its 39th day of release. The film would go on to gross $532 million domestically and one point. 056 billion worldwide. Uh, I think it's interesting to note more than half of its domestic uh, more than half of its worldwide total is just the uh, domestic box office, which is quite an astounding feat. Uh, at the time, it was the seventh highest grossing film domestically and twentieth worldwide. Currently sits at number thirteen domestic and thirty six worldwide. Mm-hmm. You know, I have one question before we get deep into this. Have they ever actually released a Star Wars movie on May 4th? No. 
that just seems like a missed opportunity. Yeah, but now you have two. You, when you, if you don't release on May fourth, then you have two separate Star Wars days in the year. <laughs> I want to say I'm curious now. Solo, I think, was a May release. I know it was weird because it was like a, a summer release instead of the the now typical December release. But mm-hmm. uh, I mean, Star Wars story Solo was released on a date May tenth. Oof. Off by a week. No, May twenty fifth. I hate. I hate when they give the, the the premiere as the release date. No, it's not the release date. It's a different date. But uh, yeah. Twenty fifth release date. Paul, what happens in this movie? Oh, um, the events of this movie include our our boy Mads Mikkelsen being like, "No, daughter, you're gonna have to." go away now and I'm going to go build the Death Star and then that happens and then she's like I don't like either side because they took family from me and then Diego Luna shows up and he's like oh I need you to help me do a thing and she's like whatever as long as I'm free right and then she helps him do the thing and they're like, all right, we know where your father is. And then they go to the father and she and uh even though Diego doesn't doesn't shoot him, uh the father's dead. The it, it ends up being the same thing either way. So now she's mad at him, but he's like, even though he was really cold to her up until this moment, now he's like, Oh no, I'm sorry. <laughs> but like he doesn't say it, but he feels it. Um, and then she gives a rousing speech in front of the rebel people and they're like, you know, and then most of them are like, uh, nah, that ain't enough. And then there's a couple few that are like, oh, captain, my captain. So then they go to the place and they get the Death Star plans and then everyone's dead. Except the plans make it to Carrie Fisher and she does the original trilogy. I feel like we have very different views on this movie. <laughs> I'm going to start that off. What, you don't think she does the original trilogy at the end of the movie? No, she doesn't. She doesn't. <laughs> no, that's... That, that's not Carrie Fisher at the end of this movie. You didn't know that? Who is it? It's CGI Bob. Carrie Fisher. It's Bob. <laughs> You watched this way back when it came out, right? I did. I did. What were your initial thoughts? Um, I was with it up until like after the scene where they like blew up my man Mads, and then it just started going downhill for me from there. Really, initially, initially, I I thought the opening like two thirds were messy, but I loved the ending. It's just so long. The, the final fight is so long. <laughs> I didn't, all right. And you still feel that now? A little bit less so, but yeah. I enjoyed this film as a whole after the initial watch, but I didn't love it. And I was cast swept up in it this watch. I was shocked how much I enjoyed it. Um, I, I, I like how long it, it doesn't feel that long to me, that final 
uh, sequence because there's all the different storylines and the different people you're following doing different things. And, and it kind of feels like hell relatively for a Star Wars movie. And I think that's what this movie is trying to do. Yeah. I don't know. See, the thing that gets me is I, I don't really get uh, that dude. What's his name? Uh, Diego Luna, Cassius. Yeah, Cassius. I don't get what his deal is. It just feels like at a certain point, the plot's like, okay, now you have to like her, and then he does. See, mm, we can get into the relationship relationship between the two of them uh, after this, but I I do think this is a, a grim movie, right? And yet there is this underlining optimism that is mentioned every three seconds with every time they say the word hope. But there is an optimism to it that I think uh, helps uplift it. And I think there, yeah, there is no reason to, to have the optimism, but that's the point. They choose to be optimistic and, and hope for the best. There is no reason. But if there was a reason, then there'd be no it wouldn't be hard. There would be no choice in it if you had the reason. So I don't think this movie's that dark. Just You don't think so? It doesn't feel that different from like the others in the sequel trilogy, in my opinion. It, like it doesn't feel that t- at least tone wise, it feels in the same realm. I, I found that it felt more I don't want to say gritty, but you know, you, you get all the explosions and the, the destruction of, of the other films, but you see people reacting to it. People without uh, the superhero Jedi powers or the lightsabers or who are worried whether, whether or not they have the, the ship. And so there is... I, I point to the, the Death Star destroying uh, Forrest Whitaker's planet, right? Because mm-hmm. we've seen... The Death Star destroys a plant in A New Hope, and because of how it was back then, you don't see any reactions or anything, right? And then Force Awakens comes, and and JJ throws in little cuts to the people on the planets reacting to the destruction, right? But in this film, it's a time bomb. It it's not as instantaneous as as I personally always thought it was. There is a, a timeline, and they're trying to escape and run as gravel and all the stuff is flying in the air. It, it it reminded me a bit of the sandstorm scene from Mad Max Fury Road yeah. in in the visuals and the browns and the oranges and 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 this this film the characters in this film feel so much more of an underdog underdog than any other Star Wars to me. Hmm. Honestly, it kind of feels like it. This is like one of the few ones where they don't follow a Jedi, but it still feels this like is the, the f- only one. This is the only one where they don't follow a Jedi, unless Solo. Yeah. Um. But. They're very much still like informed by the force. Like they do have a member on their team that's like, I got the force with me. 
but he's yeah, just but, not the main character this time. But again, it's not like there's a power, there's there's a magic power they're doing to manipulate and prove that the force is real. This mm. this is looking at rather than the the people we who will have pages upon pages of, and books about them in the history books. These are this is the people that are typically forgotten. Okay, so you know what? Fair. You want to know why I feel like it didn't it didn't feel that gritty or like dark in comparison or okay. whatever you're looking for. The stormtroopers are still ass at shooting. <laughs> yes. I There's what? 23 Star Wars movies and I don't understand the stormtroopers as how, what they do. <laughs> they never shoot and they're defeated by a melee attack by a machine gun and getting whacked with a staff. What is their armor for? Yeah. And like that is the majority of the interactions you see in this movie in terms of the violence. But but they they're always in like this giant tank or that first time the 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 at at is shown in through the smoke like that's terrifying. Yeah, but that only happens like twice or thrice in this movie. Like there's the space battles, but you don't really feel the weight of that. Yes, but not, not even the space, but the first time they attack the city where they meet um, uh, Donnie Yen and his friend. I, I don't know their character names. The two Asian dudes, the, the East Asian dudes. Mm-hmm. And, and they attack, um, you know, they have what, a blaster and that's it. And I, I think I think the editing and then the score do a great job of 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 portraying this this kind of fear and 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 and, and uh, of being caught of being captured. I will say I do think uh, Gareth Edwards at least shout out to Gareth Edwards Gareth he Edwards. he knows how to shoot a firefight. Yes. Oh, I forgot he did the uh, Godzilla. Movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he did, he did a great job in this this one. He hasn't done anything since Rogue One. Interesting. Yeah, I I really enjoyed the uh, with Godzilla at least. I really enjoyed his attention to like being able to portray the scale of the beast so well. Especially like the one scene I come back to in that movie is um when the uh, army guys are just like uh parachuting off the plane and like above the like above the ozone i think it was or like something like that and you see them go through all the destruction like in real time as like it goes through the clouds and then you see just red everywhere but that's a different movie uh i think i think you get a sense of scale in the destruction from, I, I really love that ad ad scene. I, I the, the the destruction of of Forrest Whitaker's planet um, as it slowly uh, goes by. Uh, you get yeah. Man yeah. man knows how to do action. Yeah. Um. It th- this movie had s- some actors I very much enjoy in it. This is a <laughs> terrific group of actors. Yes, yes. And, and, and I, I think it's important to note, one of the most diverse 
cast of uh, ensemble we've seen in one of the movies on this podcast, right? Mm. Probably, aside from like Furious. Yeah, Furious Seven. I I I think just like black people is the only. Well, you can throw in like trans and and, and gay and uh, that stuff. <laughs> Yeah, they need a gay. They don't got any gays. They don't. No LGBTQ uh, representation. But, but um, just like you got the uh, Riz Ahmed, you got uh, you got Donnie Yen. You have. Uh, oh, also, Masensen. Where where's the women robots? Good point. Don't worry. Solo's got one. Solo's got one. <laughs> I apologize. I said there's no black people. Force Whitaker's in this. I mentioned him like two times already in this. He's just so separate from the other group. I, I, I he escaped my mind. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's, 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 it's a real incredible list of actors you got here. I, I wish uh, they only did, you know, because the, the, the anthology series of Star Wars are kind of up in the air now with the rest of the Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd rather these one shots. Because you can get someone like Mads Mikkelsen, and he's not attached for 19 other movies, so he, he he's more inclined to do one movie rather than 93. You know, Riz Ahmed is here, uh, Diego Luna, Felicity Jones, Donnie Yen, Alan Tudyk is uh, K2SO. Another Alan Tudyk role, returning after Zootopia, Frozen, hmm. Transformers, uh, Darker the Moon. I think was the one he's in. It's good if you forgot his role in that movie. What what very did offensive. he do? Very offensive. He's like a butler, but he's like over gaze it. Oh. Nice. Yeah, you got you got Forrest Whitaker. I swear Forrest Whitaker in this movie, and I haven't seen this other movie I'm comparing to in it since it came out, but I swear he's the same character here as he is in Black Panther. And he's great. He's great. Yeah, I could kind of see it. Every movement he has, he makes a meal out of. Whether he's like taking, moving the mask up to his face and like snapping it back to his chest. He's great. But but they really didn't utilize Matt's well. I so I was thinking about that. We've mentioned on the podcast that we I believe that we don't think he's used well in this film. Right. What what is using him well? Making him the lead. I don't know, like, in terms of, uh, he didn't really get to showcase much range or, like... But why does he need just, to? I guess. I guess. I, 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 I agree. He has a very small role, uh, a more minor role than we would like as people who admire Matt Nicholson, but I thought he was wonderful in the, in the role. Hmm. There, there's, there's this sense of, 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 of fear hiding under this stoic nature as he tries to act like he's under control, like he's on the other side. But you do get the sense of uncertainty. Hmm. And he and Felicity Jones, uh, in, their small, in their few moments together, have this wonderful bond that I think is the strongest parental relationship we've seen portrayed in a Star Wars movie. And I don't know if that's a compliment to them or an insult to Star Wars. Well, I mean, because the rest of the movies f- focus so much on the literal aspect of I am you are of my blood more so than any actual connection that they have yeah. and so it, 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 which it, this there are moments of this movie that fall into that as well 
But that's more of her being like, hey, listen to me, because I have I, I know what I'm talking about. Rather than you're special because you're of your blood. Right. But but Masinson, what what would the Jedi be without the Metachlorians? I rewatched the prequels last month. I don't remember them saying anything about Metachlorians. All right. Because I just all out of my mind. All right. We could if we could cut out the nine million extra books out of the canon, we can forget the dumb shit in the prequels. So do you still stand by the prequels being ass? Yeah. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> they are. They're dumb and fun, but they're shit. I mean, to be fair, I feel like Star Wars as a franchise right now, it's, it's not bad. It's 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 not batting the like high numbers. No, I, I think I think it's a messy. It's in a very messy place right now. But speaking of the prequels, I do want to bring up something interesting about this movie. I've noticed in particular mm-hmm. is that. In every scene from the very beginning, every actor is playing it at an 11. Everything is at such high stakes, and everything is so over-the-top melodramatic. But I think it works with the place and where this movie is. If you're aware of of the the Star Wars line, right? Mm -hmm. Compare that with the prequels, which is also melodramatic and over-the-top, but the actor's are are so drab and lifeless that it doesn't work. And so we laugh at the midichlorians line. We laugh at the sand line. I, I don't know if I agree. Why? I I I really enjoyed the acting in the in the prequel tr- trilogy. What what do you enjoy about it? <laughs> Enlighten me, please. I want to know why people like this shit. <laughs> I mean, it's it's been a while since I've seen it. I, I'm meaning to, I've been meaning to go back and rewatch it. But like, just like seeing the scenes and stuff, there there is a way in which like, because they're not like taking it too seriously, they're having fun with it. So, not. <laughs> it hurts me seeing someone like Natalie Portman in that movie. She's one of the best actresses we have, and and at uh, as she's trying as she's about to become an A-list movie star, she's stuck with these lines, and she had so much potential in the first movie, and then she's just the wife and the pregnant woman on the side by the end of it. I'll rewatch it um and tell you about it once we get to the episode eight. I was thinking like. I bet you people love those movies in the same way I love the Spy Kids movies. In particular, Spy Kids 3D, Game Over. You know what? There's, there's like, so many, like, script decisions in both, both the prequels and Spy Kids 3D that are just, like, no one would have went for it. And, like, because everyone's, like, trying to be serious and stuff, like, perfection. <laughs> like Elijah Woods whole entire like character in th- 3D is great. No, it's not. 
no, it's not. I said, Yo, that was probably my favorite movie growing up. No, it's not. He, he walks. He walks into that room. He says, "Cake," and then blows up. That's amazing. All right. Why? <laughs> Why? As a moment, it's just fantastic. All right. And it's a great subversion, which everyone loves these days, right? <laughs> he, he was the guy, except apparently he wasn't. We got to talk about doing... We'll talk off mic about doing Spy Kids 3D Game Over <laughs> a bonus episode when we hit episode 40. <laughs> and if Ache. you like that, if you want that to happen, email us. Come on, what's the email? A billion... That's the email. <laughs> I-L-L-I-O-N. Yeah. Did did are you making are you unsure of how to spell billion? <laughs> Next topic. Uh I, I I found this film. I mentioned that I found it darker. I I, I think just the look of it, it it looks a little uh, grimier. Uh, a little more uh, uh, the, the actual film. Can I say that? Is that the word I'm looking for? The shots look grimier than uh, the, uh, than, than the Force Awakens, at least. I, I did really enjoy that opening scene. Uh, I thought it was a wonderful dramatic scene. And then the blaster sound happened. I'm like, oh, that's a weird sound. <laughs> You know that that initial scene, it it kind of reminded me of like the opening to Inglorious Bastards. Ooh, in a good way or bad way? In in the sense of like, I, I don't know why more movies don't do this, where they just start off with like a confrontation, but it's like mostly dialogue, but it's very tense, so that you set that baseline, but it's not like all the way at the top. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. It is, it is, uh, we've done what, 27, 28 of these, and so many of them start off with that action scene. Yeah. It's nice. It, it's just, uh, to reiterate my point that this is, I don't actually know if I actually made this point. I, I, this is, I think this is a more intimate Star Wars movie, comparatively. I, comparatively. I like that we, we were able to watch a movie where the opening seconds weren't. <laughs> And I, I enjoy those, bud, but it's nice to... I will say it was a little jarring scene in a galaxy far, far away. And, then and no other wrong. text. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at that point, why even keep in a galaxy far, far away? Yeah. And it, maybe it's just Pavlovian, but everyone has that feeling, right? Yeah, I felt just, that. You have to do it. But it's also like... At this point, we know Star Wars. Sure. And we're relating it to itself. So in a galaxy far, far away from what? Like, if you're not going to include the rest of it. Well, the thing is that opening scene before the title crawl or, or, or the title uh, is shown, right? Is what the, the crawl would have been. So it was a girl on the farm. Her father was this man who who was recruited by 
the 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 empire. So she went for hiding, was found by Forrest Whitaker. Dot dot dot. And then it's her waking up in that. Uh, that would that be where it would start? I feel hmm. like it would be. Because the open crawl is always just the exposition. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Cool. So, yeah, it's a great scene. It's just, it's. I'm happy. I was ready for the music. John Williams music. Well, I mean, what they could have done. Quan, Quan, you want to save that? Use that now or save it for later? All right, I guess I'll save it for later, but uh, I, I got some other good things planned for later. Thing, please show it, share it now, but if you think it's a real great idea. I mean, I was just saying they could have just set up uh, Galen in the title crawl. They could have. They could have. That's Mads Mikkelsen's character, right? Yeah. Mm, I don't think that works because he's not... They don't be. always set up the main character. I guess. You're right. I'll be honest, as I think about it, I'm like, what do they say in these opening crawls? Yeah, they mostly just set up like uh the backstory of where they are in their fight. Sure. Sure. It's usually not individual characters, or if it is, it's never about what their motivation is. It's more what's happening to them. It'd be like Luke is on the planet now. Yeah. Like, cool, Luke's on a planet. Um, I, I briefly mentioned missing that John Williams music, but uh, I enjoyed the work by Michael Giacchino. Uh, I, he's, he's, I know he'll pop up on the Incredibles 2 episode. I think we, meant, we may have mentioned him on like Jurassic World, I think yep. we did. Uh, the story for this movie is that uh, oh, my computer's bugging me. Uh, I think someone else was doing the score, and then in like September they're like, "Now we don't like this score. We need a new one." So they brought in Giacchino to do a new score in like two months. They, there's a lot of stuff like that with these Star Wars movies, hmm. like, where um, like wasn't there a problem with Solo where they weren't sure what tone they wanted the movie to be in, like they fired the original directors. You mean when it was supposed to be Lord and Miller and then they got Ron Howard to finish it up? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think I think the score is, is solid here. Chikino is one of the greats we have working right now. And yeah, we're gonna talk about him in Incredibles 2. I think he did the Spider-Man movie that we're talking about. Uh the MCU Spider-Man. Oh. Game was great. Game was great. Uh, I I wanted to talk about two characters. We briefly mentioned one earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, CGI Carrie Fisher as Leia in the very end, and then CGI. Uh, I I don't know the actor's name. Was it Tarkin? Tarkin was who the P Peter Cushing was the original actor, who has since passed and 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 was CGI'd in this movie. There's many conversations we may have about this. Honestly, just recast. Yeah. I agree. Especially because... Um, let me find the actress. Like, I don't know why Disney is... Like, Disney, when they're producing these big movies, they're so hung up on keeping the same actor for, like, oh. this role. 
part what makes it weirder is that one of the characters, Mon Mothma, you know which one Mon Mothma is? No. She's the woman uh, who like was like leading the rebels, right? Okay. Um, they got the actress who played her in the prequels for this movie. But there was an original actress in Return of the Jedi who played her. They didn't CGI her here, which probably would have been closer in time to this movie than the prequels were. Hmm. And and it 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 the first time I watched this movie, I was less aware of the Star Wars universe, so I, I I didn't I generally did not notice the Tarkin thing. But now that I'm aware of it, I'm like. You look weird. You look plasticky. If there were no humans next to you, I'd be amazed. Like if I looked at a PS5 game, because you're looking, you're right next to to Ben Mendelsohn, who we haven't even mentioned yet. Uh, I could see like the eyes. There's there's this lifelessness in the eyes. The the face doesn't feel as imperfect uh, imperfect as it should be. The hair feels a little glossy, even if there are random strands. And and just I don't know morally something about that is really gross to me. Maybe Leia's a little different because Carrie was with us when the movie was being developed. Um, that feels weird. Who who was the original actor for Red Skull? Hugo Weaving. Yeah, I I remember there was like an interview or something with him where they asked him why why he didn't show up for. Uh, Infinity War or Endgame, whichever one, where the you know Red Skull comes back, and he was like, "They weren't paying me enough. I had a better competing offer, and I went with that." <laughs> what do you think that was like the Matrix movies? What do you think his other offer was? Uh, I mean, it was a while ago, so I don't think it was Matrix. Like, I didn't think even I don't even remember that being announced at that point, because like he would have gone back for just a cameo. There's not that much money in that. And they, he would have had to work around the Marvel schedule for that. So he's like, why would I bother? But that is a very different situation. Yeah. But I'm just saying like the fact that he was even asked that sort of question of being like, this character's back and you're not playing him. That is a weird thing. When it is this, all the other people come back after years of not being there. Yeah, but like I'm just saying, I don't, I don't like that precedent. Just just let people leave if they want, and let other people fill the role. And like, don't just take people's likeness because they were there before. I don't. I they for they didn't take it. I I, <laughs> I think this is that's a completely different thing. I I do. Hmm. There, there is a bit of the fan service of it being Red Skull, right? But it is, they got Ross uh, Mark McQuan, who I, I enjoyed on Walking Dead, he, and he's in the Red Skull makeup. The Red Skull makeup sells it. This was literally remaking a dead man's likeness. And that felt really gross. Yeah. They could have, they should have just recast. <laughs> Especially because, like, no one cares about Tarkin. What did he do in this movie? Uh, he was like, no, do, do things better. <laughs> he didn't even do stuff in this movie. He, he was telling the other dude to do things better. Yeah. That's the other thing I don't like. When 
these other movies have like cameos from people who are in the previous movies and they're just there to be like do your job it does sound like they're they're trying to be better at it at least uh, did you hear the they said recently that Doctor Strange is supposed to show up at the end of WandaVision I did yes like thank god he did not that would have been annoying uh uh, I'd like to bring up uh, a, a person we've slowly brought up. This person at the at the side of this post. I, I can't put there. He is Ben Mendelsohn, uh, starring his line of "I'm the villain in this big blockbuster movie," because <laughs> he's the villain in this. Mm-hmm. He's the villain in Ready Player One, <laughs> and then for like oh, where he that- plays the leader of the Sucksores because they suck. <laughs> I don't know if you're making something up about that movie or not. I forget everything about that movie. <laughs> well, the, he, in that movie, he was the leader of the Sixers, but Sixers, but but the main character is like, but I call them the Sucksors because they suck. And also, we'll we'll talk about Captain Marvel in the future. But he's like, you think he's a villain at first in Captain Marvel? Um, he was in Dark Knight Rises. Who's this Dark Knight Rises? Who was he? He played a character known as John Daggett. Maybe he was, was like he one of the rich people? people. I think he was one of the rich people. He was one of the rich people because Bane. I think Bane kills him, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. At the football stadium. I like. Um, he was in that Netflix show Bloodline. Did you ever watch that? No. We were just talking about how we don't like how everything revolves around bloodlines in the sense, and come on. (laughs) Anyways, my understanding is he had a huge presence in the first season, and the second season, he's just sporadically there as like a ghost. He's barely in it, and he still won the Emmy for Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Drama Series. (laughs) It's Ben Mendelsohn. I like Ben Mendelsohn. We didn't mention story by John Knoll and Gary Whitta. And then screenplay by Chris White and Tony Gilroy. Tony Gilroy. You know, one thing I will say about this story. Hmm. I don't like the precedent it sets. What precedent? Of things of backfilling things that uh, would be considered quote unquote plot holes to like the cinema sins crowd. I I do like that you have such a thing against cinema sins as someone who's a fan of them but um it, it is kind of dumb that this feels like it's it's backpedaling on a minor plot hole but i do think they work it well and explore the rebellion in a more interesting complex way than you typically typically do in this the skywalker saga don't get me wrong. I think they did it. It's it's fine here. I just don't like the precedent it sets. Uh, what what later iterations of this do we get? Solo. Solo's not about fixing a plot hole though. It is a yeah. dumb. There's a dumb yeah, but then you get on. stuff like, oh, what's your last name? Oh, you belong to no one. You're so. But- but that's not a that's not a that's just a prequel problem in general. 
episode three ends and they're like, oh, C-3PO and R2-D2, they've been with us for three movies, but let's just erase their memories because they are unaware of all of this at the beginning of episode four. That's I don't just, know, a just let the, thing. just let there be cons- inconsistencies. Fuck it. Yeah, I'm saying, but that's not a, this isn't there's a Star Wars that's just in general what prequels do. Hmm. In at, we're both giant fans of Frasier. <laughs> I want to bring up Frasier now because he'll, he'll come up again later. Will it? That's my word. That's my word. <laughs> but in Cheers, he's like, yeah. Uh, my dad's dead. And then uh, Ted Danson guest stars on Frasier. He's like, Frasier, I thought you said your dad was dead. And then John Mahoney looks at him. He's like, Frasier's like, I was mad at you. So I told them they were, you were dead. I mean, and that Niles, just, that makes sense. And then Niles was like, oh, what did he say about me? And then Sam's like, uh, Ted Danson's like, oh, he never mentioned you. Yeah, that's fine. That makes sense. Because... So- you don't talk use... about some people with some people, or you just like, no, I don't want to deal with that. They they don't exist. They were friends for eight years. Yeah, and and he was lying about his father being dead for eight years. Yeah, I buy that. I buy that. No, I buy that. Fuck it, I buy that. Oh, because it's Frasier and it's not Star Wars. You buy it. Minochlorians are retcons. I mean, that one's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> oh, now you're embracing the stupidity of that is the fucking prequel. I'm, I never said it wasn't stupid. I just said it's also good. <laughs> Shout out to Diego Luna. Because he's awesome in this movie. But I feel like we haven't seen him uh, break out in Hollywood since then. I forgot he sent me Tu Mama Tambien. You ever watch Itu Mama Tambien? I did not. It's a great movie. The thing with his character that I don't get mm-hmm. is like the first few times we see him that establish his character, he's seen as this like backstabber who will do whatever just to get through with his mission. Mm-hmm. And then the second and half of the movie just completely discards that aspect of his character. She calls him out on... on- the, the crap he's, he does for the rebellion. His blind faith in the rebellion muddies his, his, uh, in, uh, his interpretation of what he's doing. His moral compass is blinded because he's like, hey, the rebellion needs me to do it. I have to do it. Once he, he's... A, okay, he's a- if that's the case, there was no moment where it felt like it landed for him. It just felt like a switch. That's him when he was about to kill Mads Mikkelsen. But he's like, no, I know his daughter. I can't kill my friend's dad. Uh. There's like two minutes inner struggle of him looking at Mads Mikkelsen. I'm like, why aren't you taking the shot yet? It's like, no, he's, he can't take the, take the shot. Because now it's not just a dude. It's, it's someone connected to him. A human being. Also, I... I, again, I didn't get the connection point where he had with Jin. Like, I, when did I, they connect? My thing is, I don't know if there's a romantic nature, but it feels like they're leaning towards it. But the fact that they only hug at the end makes me think it's platonic. Because a typical Hollywood movie would have them kiss somewhere in that final act. But this is a kid's film. 
They can't. They can't do no kissing. That's not okay. The Incredibles. No, no, no kissing here. Um, other Star Wars movies. <laughs> this one's more kid friendly. This one's more kid friendly. <laughs> yes. It's the movie where they kill everyone. Yeah, because they didn't kiss. All right, Miss Simpson. <laughs> okay, so as long as you as you you replace the L's with an S, it's okay. <laughs> It, 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 there is an intimacy between the two characters in that final act where I'm like, are you trying to push us in that direction? Yeah. The fact that they don't kiss is, I'm like, oh, I guess not. But I mean, it still could be that, like, um, they they were feeling that romantic connection, but they were like, you know what? I don't know this person that well yet. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna settle for a hug. But they're about to die. <laughs> nah. I'll stand by that. They were just like, you know, I'll settle for a hug this time. <laughs> but um, yeah, I thought Luna was great. Felicity Jones is 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 great in this one as well. Um, I I just saw her in Midnight Sky, which it's a movie, but she's she's very good in it. Uh, oh, did... who made that one? That's the George Clooney Netflix movie. Oh. I weirdly think you'd really enjoy it, even though it's not a like a. Uh, it's a little messy, but the, mm-hmm. the good stuff in it is really good. I mean, I you you know I enjoy me some messy shit. Well, Hell, I I enjoyed the prequels. <laughs> are you a fan of food fights? Food? Oh, guys, yeah. Just the idea of a food fight. Yeah, for a second I thought you were mentioning that animated movie that came out like in the 2010s. The 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 product placement one. Yeah, <laughs> I was, was about like, to be like, no, I'm not a fan of food. Fight. It was shelved for like five years before it was released straight to DVD. Yes, yes, that one. Wow, <clears throat> I can't say I'm a fan of that one. Sorry, you know what? To to all the fans of Food Fight. Who want to curse me out? Um, Simpson, what's that email? Billions. They could reach me. Billions. Cool, and not not to be confused with the uh, the Showtime email, where it's billions at Showtime dot com. No, no, no. This is just billions. Where's that mad? Fucking great in this movie. Yeah. I, I was a little worried, worried at first because I don't remember his part being that big. I barely remembered him even being in this movie. And oh, then they I were remembered. like, I "They're gonna, you're gonna go mad." So I was like, "Oh, they're really writing him off immediately." Yeah. <laughs> and then they didn't. All I remembered was a grenade, but he he's wonderful in this 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 guy who's like a shell of himself, who's desperate to to try to right any of the wrongs he's done in the past. And, and and this kind of lost soul. In a sense, he's he's filling the 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 Finn the Finn role in this one. Oh, why? Because they're both men of color. Yes, that's the only reason why. Okay. Because there's no weird. other men of color in this movie or in this franchise. No. <laughs> I was struck as we're talking about men of color. Uh, I'm not familiar with Jiang Wang. Yeah, Jiang Wen, who played Bay Bay's Malibus. 
the the machine gun dude. Mm-hmm. And then Donnie Yen is uh is I, I think he's a little more popular in the U.S. Uh, for his own for his work uh, in Hong Kong movies. It hit me that like this was probably the first time I saw two East Asian men on the big screen who are just like friends, great friends, great pals, and hmm. humans. <laughs> like, huh? That's great. And and I love Donnie Yen in this movie. I wonder if there's a little bit. Uh, it's a little problematic to have the blind dude be like this perfect soldier who does everything perfectly. I mean, he he he's the tough. He is the tough, and I. That's why his first fight. I love how it, it reminded me of anything Toph does in Avatar: The Last Airbender when there's like a noise and his head just turns, and you see his the feet just like like slowly graze the ground, and then he has this awesome fucking fight with the stormtroopers. Um, you know, I think I pinpointed why I I was more favorable to the first half than the second half, because for me at least, it really felt like they established the characters well, but then they muddled their connections to each other and how they uh, formed a bond as a group. It is rushed through the connections between them. Cause, cause the two, two, uh, the dude, the two. I don't want to say the two Asian dudes, but the two East Asian dudes are like, "Yeah, we'll join you." The blind dude trusts you, so I trust you too. Um, I think I think Riz Ahmed's uh, joining them worked for me. I mean, yeah, but the main thing was like between uh, Cassius and uh, Jin. Jin. I want that worked for me. They're not used to having any connection, and in this 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 adventure, they're they're forced to 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 interact and and get to know each other. I think it is a little overblown, but when you're it's the end of your world, feelings are heightened, you know. So I, that that didn't bother me. Alan Tudyk, I briefly mentioned. He's awesome as K2SO. K2SO is my favorite droid in any of these movies. Hmm. C3PO's fucking annoying. I love R2D2. R2D2 does nothing. R2 C2D2. C2D2, the classic. Do you want to explain that that inside joke to the, the listeners? Uh it's, I mean it's it's just like a, a mush together of uh R2-D2 and C-3PO because they're always next to each other. C-2-D2. Isn't, isn't the story that your mom you were playing a game with They didn't before. need the whole story. Why, why are you giving away my personal life, Miss Simpson? Because what the hell? Just why else would you mash together these two robots? <laughs> because they're always there with each other. They're the same. Okay. okay. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna cut out the noise during the start of that story and I'll retell the story without any personal details. Alright? Sure. All right. All right. So we know someone who was playing a game and they had to name a fictional robot. Mm-hmm. And they were out of words. They had no idea what to say. And they said... C2D2 very emphatically and uh, repeatedly multiple times. And as we know, that is not a droid. The class, no, it's a classic character, man. Classic. 
classic character. Greg Fraser is the uh, cinematographer. Oh, also did Vice, Zero Dark Thirty. And well, wait, Vice like the Netflix. the movies from uh As that one, yeah. But uh, uh, same year as Rogue One, he gets nominated for an Oscar for Lion. Well shot film. Oh yeah, that was the movie. That was the Google Earth ad, right? You can't nice. not mention Google Maps in that story, though. <laughs> I don't know. I I just could. I, I I didn't watch it because the synopsis straight up read like a Google Earth commercial. But that's what the dude did in real life. He used Google Maps to find where he lived. You you could reword it so that it doesn't sound like a commercial for Google Earth. <laughs> Why did you read the synopsis? Uh, whatever. Oh, he also has an Emmy for cinematography of The Mandalorian, which I'm not the biggest fan of, but it is a very well shot. It is a Star Wars. And he's currently attached to The Batman. You know, Pawn, uh, I did want to bring when talking about how, the way stuff shot right. There, there is this, this, uh, this article, this headline passed around throughout this week mm-hmm. of the upcoming film The Eternals, the MCU film coming later this year. Uh, Academy Award winner Chloe Zhao. Uh, the story goes that she kind of shot some stuff on her own to show it to Kevin Feige. And he was kind of shocked that she shot stuff. He was like, outside. How did you shoot this? And she was like, Yeah, I shot this on location outside. <laughs> and the internet's blowing that up because it sounds like Disney was unaware they could shoot stuff on location. But I was looking at the beach scenes in this film. And was shocked at how good it looked. And if that is all CGI, which we assume it is, yes. Well, I mean, it doesn't necessarily need to be CGI. You can just like but, set up a, you know, set. I'm just saying, this film looks incredible. I remember it looking this good. The beach scene, the the beach setting at the end is gorgeous, and and so different from the typical dark cavernous uh starship or or forest there in a star Wars movie um and and the way the sand flies up in the air while shots are taken and palm trees are falling and the water it it was just it was a sight to see big fan i was a big fan it was solid but like i mean it's 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 I, but like, come on, shoot outside. We got to get that sun. I don't think you could make an at at uh, outside. <laughs> That's the thing. Like you, you, you know, you remember, things. you remember, like in college, when like I don't know if you had this, where like the professor would be like, if you had a real cool professor, they'd be like, you know what, let's go outside today. <laughs> we always asked our professors to, and they were like, haha, that's funny. <laughs> So you didn't your college professors do that? See, all those professors, they were like Kevin Feige. They didn't know it was possible. (laughs) It's even worse when like there were times the teacher would come in and joke about it before the students did. It's like, no. That would be like starring your film with a in a galaxy far, far away, but not giving it an opening crawl. All right. Yeah, it's it's a cock tease. 
Yeah. Like, why, why, why are you going to tease it when just, just give it to us? Feed the chicken. <laughs> We're talking about chickens, right? Totally. Uh, what else is there? Honestly, the, the idea of the Death Star is still such a big joke to me. <laughs> just overall. I, I think the fact that it's so repeatedly used within a film. I think this one gets a pass because it's so linked to episode four. But the pass is like close expiration, especially when there's like nine other movies that mention Death Star. But also just like, I th- was it the original trilogy where there was like two or three different Death Stars? Yeah, episode four and six. Both Death Stars. Episode seven's a Death Star. I th- just like every other movie they're like, you know what? Crank, crank open those old files. Let's let's pull that one out of the archives. In episode seven, it's bigger. <laughs> they made a bigger ball. <laughs> like I, I I can't believe like they're just so tied to iconography iconography that like it starts to feel a bit like a joke. Like or, tactically, the, is is a big ball really your best strategy? <laughs> so what are you saying? They should make a star. <laughs> it's a star destroyer. Oh no, Death Star. What is it? Death. Is the Death Star right? Yes. Yeah. Why is it a fucking star? <laughs> make it a star shape. They have those in Star Wars, right? Do they have things that are star shaped? I don't know. I don't see why they wouldn't. Hmm. Do you have anything else? Remember, uh, there's two other things I'd like to to touch on, but uh, I'm just curious. Is there anything else you want to bring up? Uh, I was watching those uh, those sky fights, mm-hmm. and like it seemed like the victor was always decided by who was behind who. Have you seen a Star Wars before? Yeah, but like, we'll we'll get into this later. I, I have some ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to bring up two two uh, two things. Uh, one, there was this little moment after Rogue One decides they're going to become Rogue One. Is like they're like, let's go, and then uh, Jin and and uh, Cassius have this little moment where she uh, where's the line. She says uh, she's not used to people sticking around when things get bad. And, and he, uh, he kind of leans in and pats on the, her shoulder as he says, welcome home. As he pulls back out, the, he was blocking some light. And so the light kind of shines on her face after welcome home. And I really like the way it's sat on her face as she, she kind of has this feeling of, of being home. I, I, Fair I, enough. I, I, um, one thing I will say is uh, usually I hate name drops in movies like with the scripts and stuff or even like names that are found because it, it never feels natural such as i think i know what you're talking about but can you elaborate on this one well a perfect example is solo and the fact that he decided to keep that but in this one in this one born well when they when he was like uh i guess we're rogue one i actually like that oh, because like talking about when the movie title is is mentioned said yeah you mean like we're we're some kind of Suicide Squad? Oh, that classic, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, it's it's a great one in this one. I forgot that's why it's called Rogue One. 
Because like it in a sense it does and doesn't hold that much weight. Because like it is just a ship that they named. So of course they're gonna it's not gonna be this huge thing where they have to think about it for a while. And yeah, I I just liked it. But, but it's 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 on the spot and makeshift and and weirdly fits. Yeah, but it's not like yeah, and it is defining, but it's not in terms of like personal identifications. Yeah. I don't know. That's where it gets me. It's, 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 a, it's a great, great, great title. Um, we didn't even mention. I thought you were bring up the scene. Uh, I, I mentioned Grandma uh, Mon Mantha. I think her name's like Mon Mantha earlier. There's a scene where she's talking to the dude. I don't know if you realize the dude is Leia's dad. Her adopted father. He's also in the prequels, and she's like, "Oh, we gotta talk to some people." He's like, "Oh, I think I know someone." And it's like, "Oh, you're." I, I. He was like, "I, I, I know someone from the Clone Wars." So I said, "Oh, that's Obi Wan," and she's like, "Oh, is there someone? Is there someone you trust to to give him the message?" And he's like, "Oh, I trust this person," and it's Leia because Leia's gonna give him the message. It's like, oh, we did that. I didn't need that scene. I also. Uh. Well, I I don't think it was that bad because they didn't. He wasn't actually like Princess Leia, like oh Obi Wan Kenobi. He's perfect. It's it's not egregious, obvious fan service. I just found it to be such a weird detour in the flow of the film. I don't know. For me, that felt like setup along with the rest of that part. That's fair. I I. I am not as big of a fan of the Darth Vader stuff in this film as I was before. Yeah, that's that scene really confused me when I saw it in the theaters. I it it is. I understand. I I, I still felt it was kind of like a badass scene, you know. Yeah, that's the thing. Everyone was cheering when I saw it in theaters. I think it's 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 mainly because we all love. The i the the iconic iconography of Darth Vader after forty so years, right? But if you watch the original pre uh, movies, he doesn't do much due to technical uh, limitations at the time. So this is the first time Darth Vader actually does some scary shit and kills everyone. I'll be honest, it 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 kind of reminded me of some like uh, uh, Battlefront shit. It, it was some Battlefront shit. Yeah. <laughs> It was a power. It was a, like power fantasy. And I think yeah, which doesn't really work in this movie. It doesn't. Which, which my other point on that scene is, I forgot it was right after they died. Yeah. It felt like the movie should have ended there, and it kept going. Because they had to, they had to make the original trilogy happen. In a sense, and come on. I don't mind the Leia stuff. I didn't need the Vader stuff. That's. As well shot and executed as that scene is, it is from a different movie. Yeah. I think the latest stuff you can argue is, yes, this is, it's full circle. This is meant to be a prequel to episode four. I understand why they're throwing that in. And she has that line about hope. But the Vader, as well executed, it is, it is oddly in there. It doesn't serve the uh, story this movie's trying to tell. No. But it is, it is, it's, it's, it was their one shot to do a cool Vader scene. It's weird when 
I, I think of is the Jedi Fallen Order the video game, right? Yeah. He shows up in the end, but you don't fight him. You run away from him. I'm like, why do you have Vader there and I can't fight Vader? Because of canon? Wasn't there the um the uh Star Wars games on Xbox 360 and PS3? What were those? There was like two of them. Uh, uh, I know what you're talking about, but those aren't canon anymore. Um, but like in those, you deal with, yeah, in those you deal with there, don't you? I don't know. I never played them. For a second, I was like, "Are you talking about Soul Calibur? <laughs> Our favorite Star Wars game, Soul Calibur?" No, nah, I, I played the version of that that had. I didn't play the version that had this character. I played the version that had this character. <laughs> So you played uh, on the 360 with Yoda, not... No, I, I didn't play either version. I just felt like oh, okay. it, it just fit Very perfectly. Well. So I, yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing I want to bring up was the 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 end uh, uh, the ending of, of Jin and Cassius. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just, all the death scenes in general. I, I, I love the KTSO death. And I think starting off with Come the Droid is a nice little um, tease of, of shit's going to happen. Uh, I found the Donnie Yen one. I, I I loved that execution, and I love how spontaneous and out so fresh off of a personal victory Riz Ahmed's was. Uh, the 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 machine gun da- guy I didn't love as much. That felt drawn out and like nothing really happened. He just kind of died. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, when you put all of these back to back to back to back, you can't really feel the weight of all of them. I felt them except for his. his his was the only one I didn't love like you you it feels like they because you don't reset the baseline before just going into the death 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 that just becomes the normal so you don't really feel it in its own regard it just becomes another thing that has is happening for the well, it doesn't hit as hard as it would if it was in isolation. Yes. But I, I found it, it hit in three waves. The first wave being K2SO, when you're like, shit, some people might die. And then you had the three, the three Asian dudes all died in, in quick succession. Like, oh, everyone's dying. And the big, ginormous grand finale that was Jin and uh, Cassius dying as a whole. And I, I will say I liked the, the, the music was it felt very victorious once they sent the plans up and it continued up until they die and although it's kind of the same music it feels a lot more somber with the events that are happening uh and i i i Giacchino is just great i, I really love what he did there word that's, that's 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 what i got to say about rogue one a star wars story yeah, anything else you want to say? Uh, no, I'm I'm good. Now, before we enter this next segment, I apologize. I have to run to the bathroom. So I'm going to do that real quick. Mm-hmm. What I will say about Mads Mikkelsen. <laughs> you, you go. You go. I don't need you. <laughs> what I would, will say about Mads Mikkelsen is that, yes, he does do a great job in this role, but it doesn't really showcase all of Mads Mikkelsen. 
because he is great at portraying that sort of poise. Everyone knows he's he's great at that poise. But he is such a uh, what's the word? Just like a full-bodied actor. Like he is very precise with his mo- movements, but it, there's still so much joy in there. If if the scene or like if the role calls for it, for example, uh, the the most recent movie he was in, which won the Oscar for best foreign film, Another Round. That ending, man, he he danced his ass off, and you don't see that too often. Because, you know, his look and, like, his overall demeanor, he, he can sell, like, stoic really well. But, like, there's, there's that fun side just right around the corner, just, like, begging to come out. But, no, but usually he's not allowed to let it come out. It's very sad. Very sad. We discussed some of the stuff that happened in this movie. But you know what? No movie's perfect. No, no, no. Sometimes you gotta take the Death Star and make it a bigger Death Star. So, Masinson, what, what, what would you do? What would you do with uh, this, this, this uh, hunk of movie before us? It's, it's laid out on the table. What, what would you do to mix things up? I have a fucking idea, all right? Okay. Remember earlier when I said, hey, I'm gonna bring up Frasier again? Yes. So season two of Frasier, there's an episode, well, I, I think it deals with Lilith for the uninitiated Frasier Crane spinoff, uh, had a spinoff show, Frasier, in the original show, Cheers, he was married to Lilith Sterling Crane. They have a rocking relationship, uh, and in the time between the two shows, they divorce. She has a recurring presence on Frasier. Yes. And there's one episode where they shot the ending, and the joke is, oh, Lilith's there. Because he's, like, talking about his, his exes or whatever, and then she, she pops up in a dream. The day the show was to air, the people at Frasier said, hey, people at NBC, we got to do a little tweak to a little something to Frasier. It's not a big deal, but can we change it? So NBC was like, sure, all right? And <laughs> so the Frasier people did it. And then they gave it to NBC, who didn't have the time to look at it. They just played it and trusted the Frasier people. And so the episode ends, and rather than the gag being that Lilith's there, it's Diane, Shelley Long from Cheers is there, who Frasier also dated. So it's, oh, Diane's there. That's the joke. But it was this thing of them tricking NBC by saying, hey, we got a little change. And then, boom, big difference. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. So what I'm saying is this film, right? Mm-hmm. There's a one-time edit. Is it a director's cut? I don't know. What's with these labels? But the one-time edit for the midnight showings of this, you know? Now, movie theaters don't... They don't play films on actual film. It's all digital. And because it's digital, you can do magic. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like you could release DLC, like uh, day one patches and stuff like that. Look at Cats. Sure. <laughs> One. That was like a three-week patch. <laughs> Anyways, so so Rogue One's coming out, and the movie premiered, and like, yay, that's good, that's good. So weeks later, it it's 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 midnight show, and the Garrett editors were like, hey Disney, we got an idea, we got a little patch, we gotta do to this movie, okay? So we can can we can we do a little thing? And like, 
Garrett, you made Godzilla. We trust you. You started. I don't know. Universe. Is that enough? <laughs> you started the monster universe and brought it back to life. So we're trusting you with the keys to the Star Wars anthologies. So go do whatever you want with this key. And Garrett's like, thank you, Disney. About what does Gareth do? So about 90% of the movie goes, right? Maybe like 75. I don't know. Percentages. So I'm not a math man. And it's the scene of Jin and Cassius are with uh, 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 K2SO. And K2SO is like, oh, there are 89 stormtroopers. Nah, the best we can do is make it 33% of the way. And Cassius Clay, uh, actually Cassius Clay, <laughs> Cassius uh, talks to the dude over the headset. He's like, go for it. And instead of them going for it and whatever happens in the movie, right? Instead, boom, cut to live stream. Garrett Edwards in front, uh, inside the Disney company building. <laughs> Why, you may ask? He's front of the, in front of the Disney vault. And he's like, you know, this movie's about fighting against the Empire who's in power, and you have to get stand up to them. So I'm going to do that. And he lights a match, and he throws it in the Disney vault, thus destroying the Disney vault and fighting against the true Empire, Disney. And then Disney's like, no, 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 no. And they cut off the feed. And that is the midnight showing of Rogue One and no other showing ever. That's defeating the one true empire, like Jin Erso was talking about in that monologue speech thing. You know, that actually kind of reminds me of the uh, movie End of Evangelion, because uh, like towards the middle or end of that movie, there's just a shot of um, the audience at one of the screenings. So like, it's like the, Whoa. it's like, if you see it in the theater, it's like, it's staring back at you. It's just a mirror. Is it like the the old commer- TV commercials for a paranormal activity? Kind of, yeah, actually. But before that was a thing, before the paranormal activity movies. That was a solid fix. I'll give, I'll give you that. A little touch of Frasier, all right? Oh, what's that taste, Juan? What's that taste? Do you uh, taste it? That tastes like Frasier Crane. <laughs> a little like uh, maybe tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Nah, just Fraser Crane. It's the taste of Fraser Crane, <laughs> but not Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey Grammer's Fraser Crane, two completely different tastes. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to taste the man who was in Transformers. <laughs> oh, you mean billion dollar movie club friend of the show, Kelsey Grammer, star of Transformer Four, Dark of the Moon, Age of Extinction. That sounds like, yeah, 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 yeah. Because that's the Stanley Tucci one. Yeah. 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 How would you fix this film? All right. So I, I got I got like two or three different paths that they could go with this. Mm-hmm. The, the first one. The first one. So come with me for a sec. Come with me on this journey. Will we be on a... Pure imagination. Um, so there was this there was this anime called Naruto. Okay. It was pretty big back in its day, but then uh, the sequel series came out called Boruto. 
Sure. And there was this one moment where uh, Crunchyroll put out a tweet that's like, check out the, the story of Boruto's dad. Watch the entire series on Crunchyroll. So everyone uh, memed, memed that to hell and back. So what I'm saying is, at the end, they tease uh, a movie. It's like, you saw Jin Erso's story. Now check out Jin Erso's dad. Boom, we get an entire movie about Maz Mikkelsen. Wow. So there's a tease of a prequel film within the prequel film. Yes. Wow. So that's one thing they can do. Second thing. Uh, I don't like how all these movies have to be just focused around like one story where it's like you have the whole universe to work with. Why are you working with these few people? And we've talked about how they just keep using the Death Star. What if this was someone else building a Death Star? What if it was Bob? <laughs> you mean uh, the portrayer of, of, of Leia in this movie, Bob? Yeah, what if, what if it was Bob who built this Death Star and they were trying to cancel the plans for this? And then by the end of the movie, it, it just washes up on shore and then she's like, damn, these look good. And then, it's, it's Darth, and then you like see the face of the person, it's Darth Vader. I'm sorry, so Bob is Darth Vader? No, 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 no. Bob, Bob loses the plans, and then it washes up on shore, and Darth oh. Vader picks him up. I see. I see. So that's the other. But, like, on the other hand, maybe we've been looking at this franchise the wrong way the entire time. Because it's called Star Wars, and we've been thinking of Star as, like, the stars in the night sky. But what Whoa. if it was Star a la Dancing with the Stars? Whoa, that's not what I thought you were going to do. <laughs> and really, it's about these huge iconic characters. So really, we're making the Darth Vader scene into a movie. And also, you know what? Let's just, let's just do Dancing with the Stars with these characters. Like that connect uh, Star Wars games. <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it's an interpretive dance a la Charlie Kaufman. No, no, no. no, no. I'm specifically uh, talking about the uh, game where they changed the Jason Derulo lyrics to solo to I'm solo, I'm Han Solo. Just just make a movie out of that. Were you aware Billy D. Williams actually was on Dance with the Stars? He had to drop so he has experience with it. He could bring it, he could bring it back, back to this franchise. He had to drop out after the first week because he was injured. <laughs> so those are my fixes. Those are my options. I, I've laid out multiple paths so of entry. Bob and there's a uh, Despicable Me-esque dance sequence at the end, if you will. Yes. Wow. Crazy. Some great fixes there. All, all I'm saying is if we want it to be about this family, let's just let's just go all in and just refocus on what the star in Star Wars is. Mm, redefining words. There's a science to that. Mm -hmm. And you know what science is? It's objective fact. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that is the best way to judge a film, right? Yes. It's time to rank 
Rogue One, a Star Wars movie, and the Billion Dollar Movie Club, a list. Okay. So, as always, we're going to flip a coin. Juan? Heads. Flip, flip, flip. Tails. Mm. Huh. Juan, start it off. Miss Simpson, is this movie better or worse than Finding Dory? I think it's a little better. Is this film better or worse than Titanic? Oh, it's about an hour shorter. Better. <laughs> is this film better or worse than Star Wars The Force Awakens? I'm surprising myself. Better. Is this film better or worse than Zootopia? And I'm going to say better again. All right. So we have a top 10 entry this week. For between number four and ten, right? Yep. Rogue One Star Wars Story sits at number seven. Number seven on our list. Rogue One uh, Star Wars Story. Nice, nice. Seventh greatest film to ever cross the billion dollar mark on the billion dollar ranking. Juan, let's recap the list. Right. At 47, we have Pirates of the Caribbean and Stranger Tides. At 46, Alice in Wonderland. 45, Toy Story 3. 44, Avatar. Uh, 41, Transformers Dark of the Moon. 40, Avengers Age of Ultron. 38, Transformers Age of Extinction. 37, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. 35, Captain America Civil War. 34, Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Menace. You really massacred my boy with that one. 33, The Dark Knight Rises. 32, The Dark Knight. 31, Marvel's The Avengers. 30, Minions. 28, The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey. 27, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. 26, Jurassic Park. 25, Iron Man 3. 24, Frozen. 22, Jurassic World. And tied at 21, we have uh, Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Us, and Finding Dory. Number 19, Titanic. Uh, 13, we have Star Wars The Force Awakens. 11, Zootopia. At number 7, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. Hey, we talked about that this week, didn't we? Oh my god, that's crazy how podcasts <laughs> work. Number 3, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Number 2, Furious 7. And number 1, Yes, you guessed it. Skyfall. That's a list of movies. What what a what a what a state this list is currently in. Who who knows what the end will be? Every time we look back at at the list, I'm like, oh, where do we? Oh, we put that there. <laughs> that was a choice. Honestly, I'm gonna be. I, I'm going to be a little bit upset if uh, Star Wars Episode One ends up being the worst ranked Star Wars movie. I'm going to be a little upset. Juan, I'm, I'm going to be uh, straight with you now. It's not my least favorite Star Wars movie we're talking about. <laughs> but who knows how science works, all right? Science is very confusing. Right. Well, thank you, dear, dear listener for joining us for another episode another episode of what of billions 
one. What's the podcast name? Not the email. <laughs> oh shoot, I forgot. Uh, yeah, Billion Dollar Movie Club. That that's that's the podcast name. Yep, yep. Thank you for this uh, week's episode of the Billion Dollar Movie Club. I hope you enjoyed our discussion on Rogue One, a Star Wars story. I am just confirming what is the next film we're discussing. Give me uh, one second. Shout out, as always, to Maximus Mafia. We're going to be talking about Beauty and the Beast. I am just double checking. It came out very close to uh, Fate of the Furious. But I just want to make sure which one crossed the mm-hmm. finish line first. And I am having trouble finding it because life sucks and it's hard to find facts when you need the fact to be told especially when you're typing and it's hard to type because you're procrastinating damn we we really ended uh this year of disney not yet not yet we still have well we ended tw- the the 2016 year of disney we did we did you know what's crazy i was looking if you look at what made money within the calendar year, mm-hmm. Rogue One is the second second highest grossing in 2016. But Force Awakens made so much fucking money that even just its 2016 money is like the 10th highest grossing of the year. Nice. Uh, any other shout outs you want to make? Um, shout out to H2O. Great, great chemical combination. Oh, I thought you meant the mermaid show for a second. Like, why? Yes, it you know, is. I, next week will be uh, Beauty and the Beast, the live action Beauty and the Beast. I, I also very much like uh, mermaids. Mermaids are cool. No I, I, they aren't. I, I'm, I'm not saying I am a hater of that TV show you mentioned. I, I, I like mermaids. Do, do not attack me for my uh, quote-unquote uh, perceived disdain for this show that Miss Simpson mentioned just because I was hyping up the liquid instead of the show. I just want that to be put out there. You know, when people try to defend themselves for like a minute, I start questioning their intentions. What, 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 what quote unquote ulterior motive could I have here? All right. Juan, I know you did some dirty stuff for the rebellion. All right, you assassinated people. You saboteured them. All I'm saying is I like mermaids. All right? Mermaids are cool. Mermaids are great. They live in the H2O, and I like the H2O. So, yeah. Thank you. Uh, Remember to subscribe to us on the Spotify's, the Apple Podcasts, the Google Podcasts, uh, YouTube. Our SoundCloud I like our SoundClouds. Uh, and send an email. Paul, what's that email again? Billion. Yes, we have billion and billions. We have multiple emails reserved. Because, you know, we, we, one email address is not enough to handle all the emails. We got, we got, you, you guys are rabid. Is that the word I'm looking for? Rabid? Rabid. Yeah, Rabid. that works. That works. Hagrid. Are you Hagrid? <laughs> Thank you. And remember, 
I am one with the force, and the force is with me. And also with you. I, I see you just went silent after your Mads Mickelson rant. <laughs> Did you just want the audience to sit in the glory that is Mads Mickelson? Uh, no, I just, I, I didn't have too much to add. So I was like, you know what, it's fine. I Not all of them have to go the entire time. Huh, I'll, probably, I'll probably edit this part out or not. We'll see what happens.